You Can't Sit With Me, hosted by Deanna Espear. I actually have an audience today, despite my guest, <laughs> who's <laughs> petting my dog, which is very, it's actually very convenient. But yeah, because now she won't rattle whatever she was trying to do to irritate us earlier. Yeah, she was irritating us during a very serious podcast. <laughs> so I currently have Rachel O'Brien from Be Here For A While, my really good friend. Hello. This is your second time on the podcast. It is. The first time we were acquaintances, but now we're actually friends. Yes, now we actually like eat a lot of food and watch The Bachelor together. A hundred percent. So this is really exciting for me because my favorite thing is, is having people on the podcast that are so comfortable that they can just say whatever. So I know that you sometimes get a, you know, afraid to offend people. Nobody cares here. Okay. Everyone knows all that right. it's all, you know, for entertainment. I'm going to take my top off and get comfy and, and take just your top off. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, we, we just came out of a very intense podcast recording, so we have to adapt and we have to adjust. Yeah, we were talking about a very sensitive subject, uh, Epstein crap. So exactly. it's like where you have to be like, allegedly, we think this happened. And so now we get to just have fun. Now, now we don't need to say allegedly. Yeah. Now you're just like, fuck this bitch. And um, <laughs> I'm so excited that you're back because we watched The Bachelor together. We exchanged so many secrets with one another. I know mm -hmm. so much about you. You know so much about me. We're, very, I'm, we're more similar than I thought yeah. before I actually knew well, you. Well, and I think this would be a good, maybe we say this here, uh, and you might even be slightly more than me. Maybe it's just the accent. But once we go into this topic, we are the uh, uh, definition of white girl problems. Like li This is, li I'm going to call this episode white girl problems. Yeah, because so <laughs> when we are throwing some shade here it's not that we we're better it's not that we were better like we were both talking about like we're really hustling to work hard on our careers and stuff so uh, we're both like hustling to work really hard on our careers and we both have freelance jobs like uh podcaster uh, you're a journalist you post and what you know you do so many things uh influencer social media whatever the best go-to person for any product like my mom has even started following you like should we get what deanna got and i'm like this is okay, the best Mom, compliment chill. you could ever <laughs> give me. Like this, I've, I've succeeded in my books. Good. And um, I'm a podcaster and touring stand-up comedian. And I make a, a comfortable living doing that. But I also yeah. live in Los Angeles. My rent is so fucking expensive. So we were both talking about like, you know, we can't really afford to go out and like buy ourselves like new clothes. I mean, I'm a big Forever 21 fan. I'll spend no, we can buy Forever 21. We just can't get ourselves a Gucci bag. Well, okay. My, my mom's not... Maybe. No, my mom okay. gets me Gucci bags. I was going to say, actually, yeah. a couple years ago, she got me YSL bags. So we are <laughs> the definition of... We are... Hypocrite! Exactly. So we're not... So and so we were talking about like, okay, like I said the other day, my mom likes to say I dress like uh, I just walked out of a women's penitentiary. She's really sweet. <laughs> and so uh, she will buy me cute new dresses and things like yeah. that. Like a lot of girls don't have that luxury. And you were saying your mom does the same my thing. Mom, so my mom went a step further than yours. She was like, I don't care how expensive or cheap your clothes are. She was like, they always look a mess because they're, um, they have creases on them. So she bought me a clothes steamer, but my, like a professional one. Yeah. Do you know how many times my mom has done that? Uh, you, my, you have no, you have no idea the amount of things that my mom's like, you need this. You're bothering me. Yeah. Go get your hair done. Like, what do you, what's happening it with you? It bothers her more than it bothers me. Yeah. So, you know, in, with regards to all the shade that we're going to be throwing on this episode, we are white girl problems yes. and we fucking love it. <laughs> Thank you. So before we get into the episode, I always do tip of the week. And I know I didn't prepare you for this because I kind of know what your tip of the week is going to be because it's a very Deanna and Jason, but maybe it's something else. Okay. I don't know. I want you to give me a, you know, genuine tip of the okay. week. I never told 
anybody that because I'm such a good friend. But oh, oh is it not? Okay, I don't but, know. well, that one is really good, but it's your tip. No, but I haven't talked about it on the podcast. So now that I have someone who's done it because of me. Oh, okay. Let me tell that because I can give a little bit more backstory into this. So yeah. Deanna uh, told me about, is it, I keep, is it face, face gym? gym? I keep wanting to say skin gym, face gym. Skin gym is also a, a company, but they do yeah. facial tools. Okay. So uh, she, you, I was like, is, does that place work? Tell me about it. And she, she was like, you have to go. So I went, so explain what it is. You know more about so it. So basically face gym is a face workout. It's not exactly a facial. They don't call it a facial. So they massage your face and the muscles. So obviously lymphatic drainage, which is great because mm-hmm. it, you know, increases collagen production and blood circulation, um, diminishes fine lines. It's great. But also, you know, they use all these oils and these different products that are all very beneficial to your skin. And the one that like electrocutes your skin. I think that was the best. Yeah. There's like a massager tool that gives you a twitch. So it kind of manipulates your muscles in a way. Great foot arch. Were you a ballet dancer? Oh yeah. Okay, good. Sorry. (laughs) I just thought I had to put that out there. (laughs) I was just randomly pointing my toe for no reason. I was like, that's a fucking epic arch. (laughs) Now you're putting mine to shame and I was an actual dancer. You know what? So was I. So many failed (laughs) careers at this point. But... (laughs) And you have to have white girl problems to be sent to ballet. It's very expensive as you're younger. So we are proud. I have body dysmorphia because I went to ballet school. (laughs) Boo hoo. Okay. I go to face gym to fix all my problems. And yeah, so it's very good for the face. It contours you. The the massager tool that twitches your muscles kind of manipulates your muscles in a way that relaxes them and kind of relaxes your complexion. So why did you love it? I was very impressed with. Okay. So my backstory uh, quickly, I've been getting uh, Botox like probably off and on since I was like 26 or something. Amazing that you're admitting this. Thank you very much. Oh yeah. I don't care. Um, uh, it is the only thing I do though. Um, but I, uh, about like back in August, I got bad Botox that paralyzed. And so this is crazy. Paralyzed the bottom half of my face. I didn't get (laughs) Botox anywhere near the bottom half of my face. I'm sorry for laughing. I literally, my mom, this is, so this is how kind my mom is to me. She kept being like, oh, it doesn't look that bad. And then I FaceTimed her and I smiled. She goes, oh my God, you look like Bob's big boy. (laughs) 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 Then she said at one point, I look like fire fire marshal bill, all this stuff. Like it was horrific looking. So I didn't even get Botox near my mouth. I literally got it where you, you know, like around your smile lines. Yeah. And then about a week later, once it had settled in, I like took a photo with my friend Zach and I was like, why does the face look like that? Why does it look like I can't smile? Like what's going on? And then I went it to the bathroom moved. and looked in the mirror. I was actually at Tom Tom and I like looked in the mirror and I was like, I can't smile. Oh my God. Oh my God. And so then I went, and by the way, that week, so I couldn't even go back to the doctor that week because like two days later, I had to fly to Seattle to headline an hour long comedy show. Now in comedy, you need to be able to move your mouth. So I literally did an entire show where I was like, I mean, I made it part of the act, but I was like, this is horrible it's amazing that you incorporated that in the act well, how would i how would i not you People can't you can't like, fucking do it because i looked for six months i couldn't smile i literally looked like either i was trying to like constantly like model in photos because i'm so sorry so for rigid. laughing at this oh no it's I, I think it's hilarious now so then i went to the doctor when i got back from seattle and i was like what did you do did, what happened to my face and he was like oh it happens to like one in a thousand people I was like, should I buy a lottery ticket? Like, great. Yeah, he's like, fuck you. I paid for your like, services. He's like, I guess I shouldn't have injected so low because some people like you, like there's little holes in the muscle. I don't even know what he said. He's like, and sometimes it will trickle down into your facial muscles. He goes, don't worry. What did you it'll say wear to him? Off. I was like, can you fix it? He was like, no, you're just going to have to let it wear off. And he was like, probably three months. It took six months. So only up until Wait, maybe a month ago. I need to stop you for a second. <laughs> the doctor said, I guess. I would have been like, the only, the simple fact that you said, I guess, instead of I will, 
means you should you need to pay me fucking back. Otherwise, yeah. I will blast you on social media. And you guys both know that I blast brands that oh, don't yeah. perform on social media because as much as I like to recommend people, I will yeah. blast a brand that that is sucky. So, anyways, <laughs> I'm never getting Botox again. Like I just I. I I don't even necessarily need it that bad. I don't even know. I probably do, but I just don't care anymore. You don't. I think that face gym, I want to say skin gym, is a great alternative. I'm just going to do that. Do tell everyone what happened that day because you posted a selfie and I was blown away. I felt like m- my entire face lifted like a half an inch. I was like, do I have Bella Hadid eyes? Because you know how she obviously got everyone, you know how everyone's getting their eyes like pulled to have like Egyptian eyes that they never had before. Oh, really? I well, didn't know. actually, maybe she, I should get that. You know what though? She actually is, uh, I forget what type of Middle Eastern she partially is but you know how all of a sudden there's all these like um young models where it's like why are your eyes all like that it's because they're getting some sort of whatever I felt like this they're getting like an actual surgery that's turning their eyes like that oh really oh yeah sucks for them because I've seen someone like pre and post-op where it's like I tried the Ariana Grande ponytail and it was painful as fuck I can't imagine having surgery for this (laughs) (laughs) well that's I think that's why she always wears her hair up but I, I felt like it looked like I had that. I was like, Bella Hadid eyes. I'm like, it's amazing. Like, literally, I told my mom about it. And then she saw the photo and she, my mom was like, I hate you. You get to do everything cool. I was like, come to LA and go to it. Like, it, it's that's amazing. I tell everyone, come to LA. They have one in London, though. They have one in New York. It was started in London, right? Started in London. Yeah. My friend is actually a part of this company. I have another tip for you guys, because I always do two tips when I have a guest. You need to get yourself the L'Oreal um, root spray, which we both use now. Well, you, cause you told me about it because you're the freaking product and facial queen and the product connoisseur. So if you have dark roots and you don't have time to go to the hairdressers and get your roots done, this L'Oreal spray, you basically spray it on your roots and it just tints your roots and it makes you look like a blonde bitch that you are not and that mm-hmm. you're trying to fake. And it lasts a shampoo. So, yeah. you know, it will just stay there and it will make you look great. I've also found that it, cause my hair is, we have very similar hair. We have yeah. like, we have a uh, fine hair, but we have a lot of it. Fine fake blonde hair yeah yeah but we have a lot of hair it's just very fine and and so a lot of times my hair is super flat where I'm just like like if I if I let my hair air dry it would be like completely straight yeah just like it acts as a dry shampoo so it gives you that it does it gives you like yeah like texture and volume and stuff exactly so that was the the tip of the week it was kind of a long one but uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that Botox story yeah I just I know I did yeah I needed you guys to know that that's you know that's my white girl problem. I'm obsessed with it. I have so many white girl problems. One of them being that despite spending time analyzing and watching Miss Americana, I still am incapable of liking Taylor Swift. This is one of my actual white girl problems because I'm now starting to think like I have a problem because now I have all these Swifties coming at me, which is okay, the I'm reason. terrified of that. Are they going to? No, they're not. I, do I, they I leave bad reviews on your podcast? No, that's the thing. Guys, please don't do that. This is how I make money. I'll be... I'll no, same, to, same. I'm, I, I'll I, have to move in with my parents. <laughs> We're already kind of like getting our steamers from our parents. So yeah. please don't do this to us. But um, the, no, no Swifties listen to this except for Brett, which I actually have in my apartment right now because as much as I like to be the devil, mm-hmm. I was like, let's get an angel in the room. So yeah. we have kind of both sides. So we're not unfair Because maybe he can, maybe he can sway us a little bit. Maybe he can sway us. The documentary wasn't able to. So if you can, I really salute you. But... I will say there was a few parts of it where I was swayed. Remember I texted you? Yeah. Like me too though. There, me there, too. Yeah. Like specifically the Kanye thing. So, so let's, that's go in, let's be get painful. into it. Yeah. Okay. You, uh, wait, let me get my notes because I'm such a professional now. I tried to keep the episodes concise. So I take notes on my iPad. I'm fancy as fuck. Okay. By yeah. the way, I love that it's, it's literally like we are in hyperspeed on yours. I don't know if it's because I have to go somewhere after this or because we're talking about something fun. 
I'm talking significantly faster than I was when we were just recording my podcast. I know exactly why. This is a thing that I'm very familiar with, with my hosting journalism things. So basically, this is an unfiltered podcast. So mm. as soon as you're unfiltered, you can just word vomit and it's fine. And Ugh. you don't need to apologize for it. We had to be very careful what we said on your podcast because yeah. it is such, Sensitive. you know, we could say something the wrong way and someone can take it. You've seen it in Don't Fuck With Cats on Netflix. You can interpret something the wrong way and become a serial killer. So you, when it comes to very serious topics, which I, I can be serious, you have to be very careful with how you word things mm -hmm. because you don't want to turn someone into, I don't know, a serial killer or a psycho or encourage is them. Is that what to, happens in Don't Fuck With Cats? Okay. Yeah, I'll have to. Watch you, it. you have to watch it. So I'm I'm very careful because I don't want to, you know, enable people in certain behaviors, especially when it's you know rape and Ugh. crimes and things. Yeah. So I'm very careful. Right now, word vomit. We don't give a fuck. It's mm. white girl problem time. It's the white girl problem hour. So and also you're in a rush. So let's let, let's fly through this. Okay, I I saw like the at the beginning how you thought that she was. Um, definitely calculating. And then I definitely saw it towards the end. But when the Kanye thing happened, it, I, I can't imagine being 17. Granted, she's been in the industry for a long time. And I think you can weigh in on that. Like you, you probably are slightly more mature, but also probably slightly more immature when you're thrown into like child stardom. But I can't imagine like thinking, oh my gosh, all my dreams have come true. And I would, she was a fan of Kanye and like, oh, is he coming up to like extra congratulate me? Yeah. And then he says that. And then you're just like, uh, your 17 year old brain doesn't know how to deal with that. And then she thinks that they're booing her. And it's, well, so I felt bad for her there. Here's the difference between, so obviously I was a child performer, but nowhere near the level of fame and stardom. As so I, I'm not one to be able to talk really. But the truth is, I was a performer, but I was also a trained performer. So once you get into an organization like that, which is like training, mm -hmm. you are groomed to know this industry will not thank you, will not be nice to you, will not treat you well. And you just know that that is the job. You don't go into the job thinking everyone's going to like me. At what so, age did you already know that? I mean, I started ballet when I was seven years old. So at seven years old, I was already put in front of a mirror and told, this is wrong with you. This is wrong with you. This is what you need to do to, to be better. I, I, was started, I started ballet at like three or four. I went, That's crazy. But I have a very strong sense of like, I don't really care if I'm fat or something. And I remember I they like pulled me aside and they were or pulled my mom aside and they were like, your daughter could do a few more sit ups or whatever. And I was like, Psh, I'm going to eat nachos. I don't care. Yeah, it was always <laughs> same. I'm a good enough Bye. dancer that you'll still put me in the the show or whatever. Exactly. And you're also like a shorter girl, I think. So they oh, yeah. put you in the front all the time. Um, See? Do you know what I mean? Didn't have to try that hard. Literally, you don't even have to try. <laughs> and, but for me, it was, you know, I'm used to being told you need to fix this to be better. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're an untrained talent, which she 100% is, she's a very untrained talent. I'm not saying she's not talented. She's not the most talented oh, in the industry. Oh, I see. Like she didn't go through formal like singing training? She didn't or? go through any kind of formal training, which you can see in her dancing and her singing. And songwriting is just something that you have or you don't have. You can work on it to improve it, but mm -hmm. she obviously has the songwriting talent. And I think that when you are not trained you go with the expectation of an X factor being enough. Mm -hmm. And she learned the hard way that there is no such thing as the X factor. The X factor is work. And yeah. because we've been groomed to do that from such a young age, when people say they don't like us or I've been shamed for my butt at ballet school for so many years, I'm like, fuck you. Like, They're I'm, very I'm popular now. You just wait till <laughs> Kim Kardashian gets famous, guys. Like literally though. <laughs> for me, the Kanye thing, I, tr I do feel for her 
Mm-hmm. I feel for her because it was public humiliation and public humiliation can cause post-traumatic stress disorder. Absolutely. And all the tweets afterwards and stuff like that was everything a, a, kind of a separate and topic. And she thought people but like, were booing her being booed on stage. Like people's number one fear is public speaking. Yes. And so when you are standing in front of a, of a crowd and public speaking, and people are booing you. That is also traumatic. all the people that you look up to and you just want them to like you would be very traumatic. I 100% agree. But when was this? What what year was this, Brett? That was 2009. So actually, she was 19 years old. Not that that's helping the case. But d- didn't they say 17 in the They did thing? say 17. Yeah, that was not so accurate. So they got it wrong? They got it wrong. Or they were trying to make us sympathize more. Oh. I don't no, know. Did I they think, think that, I think whoever, they were going to pick up on it? No, I think the person who was talking about it just like effed up her age. Oh, okay. I, I want to disagree. I think that she did have training. She came from this family that is very well off. And what was she trained in? How to. Oh, maybe you're right. <laughs> well, it's possible. Think about it. If she was very well that, off, they probably put her in something, but maybe they just trained her in. Kind of, I mean, my mom was the same way to me when I was a kid, just like, you're the greatest thing ever. You're the greatest thing ever. And then you're just sort of like, I guess I am. Yeah. And then you like <laughs> won that from the audience, which yeah. for me, it was like, you're not the greatest thing ever. You're like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And you need to become better than all the students in the class if you want to succeed. And I don't think she had that. And I think that's what all the white girl problems that we're complaining about are coming from. But what I will say about the Kanye thing, she was 19. She is now 30. So the fact, you know, I do think that this documentary was kind of created to rehabilitate her image. Mm-hmm. And it was so fucking long ago. And whenever you have some kind of shady drama happening on social media, all the Swifties are coming after the people that you're against. So why this documentary? Because I got a few DMs because I I'm Instagram story about a lot of pop culture. And I got so many Instagram stories. More people agree with me than agree with the Swifties, by the way, mm-hmm. saying not once in the documentary did she say, I'm so grateful and I'm I'm so happy doing this. Like, this is so amazing. Okay. Except for when she was with the Panic at the Disco guy, but that's a fangirl moment. I, I noticed that right away when... Okay, here's here was the first notes that I took. When she gets the call from her publicist or whoever, when she doesn't get nominated for a Grammy, and she... It was a very bratty response, and I was kind of like... If, if you are... If you've matured into this evolved person, I would think you'd be like... Wow, I've had all the number one hits. I've, I've I've already won all these awards. It's it'll be cool to see someone else get it, and I'll get it next year. But she was like, I have to do better. She was so competitive. It was kind of like, Ugh. it was very off putting. I actually did not like that scene, but I see why they put it in because mm-hmm. I think that she was just so used to winning, 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 and being this perfect girl, which is what the documentary is trying to show is that mm-hmm. she was like America's sweetheart, and she was trying to be something that maybe she's not. And I think when that was recorded, she was still in that mindset of like, I want to be this perfect fucking bitch. Yeah. But I think like this whole lover era is her kind of like shedding that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this documentary was trying to show. So I agree with you. I think that was a really bratty moment. It's like, girl, calm down. Like, yeah. you're not going to win every Grammy. Yeah. And, and so I think maybe that's why they showed it, but it could be taken the wrong way. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But this leads me to my next point. I actually appreciate that, Brett. Thank you very yeah. much. Like, yeah, that's why we needed him. He has a very level-headed response. I thought he was going to be like, no, she's perfect. No, that's <laughs> why I tolerate him as a Swifty. Because <laughs> I don't fucking tolerate a Swifty. He's also really Brett. funny on Instagram. Follow him. Yeah, follow him. He <laughs> makes the most hilarious video, um, BrettKen13, and also on TikTok. But um, what I was going to say is not only did she have that competitive aspect to her, but there's something as a, a former performer, former performer wow that is hard former performer (laughs) wow former performer myself that was was your american accent yeah wow (laughs) 
<laughs> that was pretty good. Former performer. <laughs> I don't like it. Go back to you. Okay, fine. <laughs> so it was it really sucked actually. As a former performer, for me, when I used to perform and sing and songwrite, because I used to do all the things too, the highlight of my life was performing. And in the moment that I was performing, I was not aware of what my face was doing. Mm -hmm. I was not aware of how I looked, if I looked worried, if I looked this. I was so in the moment because I was so grateful to perform that I give up. I didn't give a fuck what I looked like. And so not only was she like, I'm not number one, completely ungrateful for the previous achievements Mm -hmm. and unaccepting of other people that maybe deserve the award too. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk shit about Justin Bieber, but he despite his documentary being more surfaced and more superficial, he always expresses how grateful and obsessed he is with performing. Mm -hmm. And you can see it when he's on stage. You see Taylor Swift, you know, filming her video and she's like, wow, my face. Okay, I got to change that. I look worried. And people say I'm too calculated. You are. are. Because you are not a genuine performer. And you don't love it. You love the attention. And that's something that really bugged me. And the perfection of it. I relate to that so much. Like being a a stand-up comedian, like uh, there's nothing more unflattering than... Jeez, what is she doing? I don't know. She wants to play. Okay. So being a stand-up comedian, there is nothing more unflattering than a photo taken of you on stage. I, you you just automatically look 20 pounds heavier because yeah. you're not doing anything flattering with your body. First of all, it's an up photo on the stage. Second of all, you're not dressed in the most flattering clothes because you want to kind of dress down. Third of all, if you are like a physical comic like I am and you kind of act out your jokes and you're making weird faces, you're just kind of like... I didn't know I had seven chins. I don't normally, but they're like yeah. so disgusting. I, in the moment, you don't care. Even afterwards, I don't care because it's, and I see the photos, it's like, because it's, I love doing it so much. I'll make myself look hideous on purpose to get a joke across. Yes, yeah. it's different than being like, uh, what are you doing? I, I, I'm going <laughs> to, my dog is like, I need to Luna, <laughs> Luna, Luna does not like that I'm not paying attention to her yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, granted, like being a stand-up comic is obviously just by nature more unattractive than being like a hot pop star. But at the same time, I see what you're saying where she's, it's all she is thinking about. She's like, I don't like, yeah, I don't like the way I look. I don't like what's happening. And and this is me being white girl problems again, because Mm -hmm. I don't expect every performer to go to ballet school. Hell, I think ballet school served me zero purpose in life. Mm -hmm. But when you're in, in, in dance school, the uniform, you wear pink tights and a black leotard, which is the number one most unflattering thing oh, you can wear be worse. in front of a mirror all fucking day mm-hmm. and that and kind you're of, jumping around in it and like with spreading no your bra, legs spreading oh, yeah. your legs with like pink tights oh, the, I, the I, one I, thing that I makes you look ballet, fat I quit ballet once I got boobs I was like I don't fit into these things anymore yeah did, when did you quit ballet Brett <laughs> <laughs> he raised his hand what's your experience oh I'm still doing ballet babe. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it <laughs> no I was using my hand because I just wanted to say do you not think that every other pop star also does that? Like, oh, I do. Being a yes. perfectionist, I think that just. I I cut you right there because I actually this was part of my my notes. I don't think every pop star goes through that nowadays with Instagram. I think that every fucking person goes through that, and mm-hmm. that's why I did not feel any sympathy. We all go through it. We're all on someone's story at a party. Yeah. We're all seen somewhere and we all see unflattering shit of each other all the time. And yeah, it's not on as big of a, a oh, yeah. scale. The scale, but the she's, scale. She's but the also scale. so thin. And no, that but, photo she pointed to where she's like, see, this could send me into a tailspin. I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. Is it like, 
Do you want me to show what a stomach is? Because I'll, I'll fucking show you, Taylor. Yeah. Do you want to know what actual an actual stomach sticking out is? But here's what's <laughs> bugging me the most is that the scale that she's experiencing this yeah. at means that she's successful. So be fucking grateful. She didn't once express gr- gratitude. Can I, make, can I make one point about that? I just realized that. And it's uh, here's why she's so out of touch, too. And this is kind of like what we were just talking about. And you can edit this out if it's insulting about the Charlie. Their name yeah. on Vanderpump, where you have to be if you're gonna be, and Charlie's obviously nowhere near Taylor Swift, but let's just take Taylor into it. If you are gonna be in a position of influence, and specifically young girls really look up to you. I mean, you yes, everyone's allowed to have eating disorders and things like that, but you're not allowed, I don't think, to put ideas in girls' heads who are far bigger than you, far shorter than you, who would never would have a chance to look modelly and elegant like you, and start talking about like. Yeah, like I'm now a size six. Uh, oh, so cool. I met these girls that are a size. T- I was like a size 14 when I gained weight when I was in junior high. And I didn't know I was fat. I thought I was really pretty. Like it was, I thought I should be in a pageant. There was a lot. But because I have a sick sense of self-confidence. But like you don't get to say that to your up up your fans and be like, do you see this tummy in this photo? And, and then these girls, are, these girls are going to go look in the mirror and be like, if Taylor thinks she has a tummy, then I must really be fat. It's, it is not, it's. What is the right word? It's irresponsible of Taylor to do stuff like that. Especially when you're trying to be this female empowerment, political, you know, spokesperson due to your platform. Which yeah. I, I, What do you think, Brett? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I even fat shamed her after, like during the <laughs> reputation era. I was like, oh, oh my God. I was like, she got so fat. But I was like, I think the documentary <laughs> showed that she really did have like this like body dysmorphia and that's yeah. why she was so which is skinny. sad I remember hugging her on 1989 like I had gone backstage for a couple tours mm-hmm. and so it was the third tour that I'd gone backstage and I hugged God, her God I wouldn't I pay like, a cent I would if someone oh, I didn't, gave, I didn't if pay someone, to go backstage but she invited me excuse me if someone gave me the free ticket I wouldn't go <laughs> she invited me I didn't same or, by in, the way. or in the words of my grandma I wouldn't walk across the street for that person <laughs> rude <laughs> Can we acknowledge that Rachel is throwing shade on a podcast? We should have champagne over this. This is a world premiere, guys. Sorry. I got it out of her. (laughs) You really did. I feel like I'm going to like leave here and be like, should I apologize to a lot of people? Oh, my God. We have bread here, so we're good. We're doing this the right way. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, you went went backstage a lot. Yeah, and when when I hugged her, I was like, this bitch is way too skinny. And I remember in my head thinking, like, I wonder if she has an eating disorder. And being like, no, there's no way she has an eating eating disorder because she's just this perfect girl. She's America's sweetheart. So I I wouldn't have thought so either because she just, to me, I just thought, like, she had that body type. You know what I mean? And she was so young. Her mom's really fat. And she's always been big. Her mom like, is fat. I was like, shit. <laughs> I'm not fat shaming. Like, do you? I love Lizzo. I love big girls. <laughs> let's take let's take a two minute break to talk about Lizzo. I love you. You're an inspiration. You're great. Can you please stop with the Instagram post? It's a little much. Like, we get it. Like, you're proud. I get it. We. <laughs> Got it, Lizzo. I love your music. I literally like, it was like someone sucked the air out of my body when he just said that. I was like, do I, ah. Did you think I was this nice little boy, Rachel? <laughs> no, I did not, but. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So, no, but she's also really tall. So really tall people, <laughs> I all, all, no, I wouldn't have guessed Taylor Swift had eating disorder. I just thought she was like, yeah, I don't know, what are those like, 
tall people that just have a fast metabolism. There's a lot of places you can put weight. I don't know. I think it's great that she brought it to our attention because obviously none of us expected it. So it's good to know. It's good to know that she's struggling with it. I just wish the documentary included more appreciation for, you know, the fact that she gets to perform for an audience and she has that privilege. And rather than talk about that privilege, she's like, I have all this pressure on me. Should I do this? Should I do that? And she's not... fully embracing and enjoying the ride that is that privilege yeah and that really bugged me but i will also say and brett is raising his hand so i will give him the microphone and then rachel has to go soon what i really loved about her in the documentary i don't like seeing i'm a songwriter i'm such a songwriter and i'm a storyteller because there's hundreds of them in la and they're not getting the recognition i like seeing her with her guitar Mm-hmm. I don't like it when she plays the piano. She's not good at playing the piano. I'm really sorry. But she's when I see her with the guitar, the way that her tone of voice marries itself to the sound of the guitar and the way that she just performs when she... That's the Taylor that I like the most and that's what she should have done all mm-hmm. along. And this whole like finding myself and overthinking and strategizing, that is exactly what I don't like about her. Can I say one last thing and then I am just going to go and you guys continue talking? I saw... I actually have seen her in concert on accident when she... First came out. It was an accident though. Yeah. Well, I actually used to really, I have to be honest, I used to love her like country stuff. I love that song, Tim McGraw, that like first one, but I didn't know who she was. I kind of just knew the song. And then I definitely, I was in college, but I had a fake idea. I must've been 19 or 20. Yeah. So she's 30. Yeah. So she was, I was either 19, she was like 16. I was 19 or something, but I had a fake idea and it was Halloween and we went to this bar and there was going to be like live music there in Oregon. And it was the first time I saw her live. And I actually thought she was really beautiful, really cute, and really talented. I thought she had a really cute, good stage presence. And I really liked that song. I loved it. I loved her hair. I loved when she played the guitar. I, and she's allowed to change and evolve. But I'm going to end my segment on the podcast giving her a compliment. There is a certain point where I did really like her. I thought that she was really good. And it was cool to see her when she was 16. I agree with that point. Rachel, can you tell everyone where they can find you yes. and do all the plugs, please? And this is the last time you're going to hear me be mean. I feel guilty. I'm in a shame spiral oh, now. Oh, no. This uh, is a comedy <laughs> podcast. I We're all good. I know. What a, what a great comedian I am that I can't make fun of people. <laughs> I, but when I tell jokes, I make fun of myself in them. So I will relate. Like, it's hard. Well, we did. We're white girl problems. We need we to step out our comfort zones. I was serious on your show. You yeah. made jokes about other people. We all forgive you. It's all for entertainment and good humor. Thank you. Okay, so you can follow me on Instagram at Rachel and O'Brien. It reads like Rachel and O'Brien and Rachel spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. My podcast is called Be Here for a While. Thanks for having me. Love you, Rachel. Love ya.